0: One of the most frustrating things in life is when people actually agree with you. They give a smile, they give a nod, but then what do they do? They go off and do whatever they want to do. You look at him and say, Judah, do not swing this bat at your brother's head. Yes, Papa. No, Papa. Never again, Papa. And as he's saying that, I'm thinking like, what should I title my parenting book? This seems to be working quite well. And as I'm thinking that, I go ahead and turn. And what is he doing right around the corner? He's singing the same bat at the same brother's head in the same head. We see that also in our Christian life as well. We, we hear the words of Christ, and many of us profess to, to believe them, but not everyone, not everyone puts them into practice. That is. They don't prove their profession to be true. And that is what we're going to be dealing with with our text here this morning as we look in the Matthew chapter 7. We're going to be looking at verses 24 all the way through 29 as we finish up this sermon on the Mount. Matthew chapter 7 verses 24 through 21 through 29. Everyone then And when Jesus finished saying these words, the crowds were astonished at his teaching. For he was teaching them as one who had authority and not as their scribes. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, I, we beg you. We plead with you to change our hearts, God. That we would not be just merely those who hear your words and then do nothing with them, God. I pray that you would give us lives that are abundantly displaying your grace that you have given us, God. We ask that you would meet with us now and convict us of our sin and show us the way to you, God to walk the path that you have walked before us. God, bless this time that you and you alone will be glorified. Amen. main idea of where we're going to be going today, I've already mentioned it, the main idea is prove your profession to be true. Prove your profession to be true. We're going to be looking at it in two different ways. Verses 24 and 25, we're going to be seeing how When you prove your profession to be true, how do you do it? Well, you build your life upon the foundation of Jesus Christ and of Christ alone. And we're going to look then at verses 26 through 29. And I don't want you to be deceived by false piety. Do not be deceived by false piety, either in your life or in the life of someone else. So the main idea that we're going to be heading towards is prove your profession to be true. First part, verses 24 and 25, build a life that is built upon the rock of Jesus Christ and Christ alone. Then the following verses, 26 through 29, do not be deceived by false piety, either in your life or in the life of other people. First part here, building your life on the foundation of Christ. Let's go back to the text here. Verse 24, it says, Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. The rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And we have embarked here through the the Sermon on the Mount and we have seen, and we're coming towards now at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, and we've seen so many things. We've seen... What it is to be blessed. And it's not those who are strong and capable. It's not those who lead and who are conquered, but who are blessed. Well, the poor in spirit and and those who mourn. And it's not the one who has spiritually arrived that's blessed, but it's actually the one who realizes he hasn't arrived and he's hungering, he's thirsting for Christ's righteousness. And as these movements begin to crescendo here towards the end, you see this great divide happening. Those who see the light and those who use that light to glorify themselves and those who display the glory of God, that others might see their good works and glorify their Father in heaven. You see the one who is content simply, I didn't murder, so I'm fine. You see that divided with the one who is wrestling with the fact that he hates those who are persecuting them. And he can't, he can't handle that. And he wrestles with that. And you see this divide growing and crescendoing throughout the sermon. You see those who are praying out there. You see him praying, arms wide, heads up, on the street corners. Divine, and contrast that with the one who is meekly in his closet praying with his hands folded, his head down, and nobody but his Father who is in heaven sees him. You see, the one who is anxious because he wants to control everything of the world, contrasting that with the one who is resting in the sovereignty of God, waiting for his will and his will alone to be done. And do you see this this growing divide Growing and growing and growing throughout the sermon. And then, as Adam started with last week, you see this divide becoming starkly, abundantly clear. You see, you see those who enter the broad gate that leads to destruction, and those who enter the narrow way that leads to life. Beware of the wolves in sheep clothing. Beware of them, and that's contrasted with you know them by their fruit. Do not be deceived by them. You'll know them by their fruit. And it's even, it gets worse, my friends. It's not even those who profess, Lord, Lord, who will be admitted into the kingdom of heaven, but those who do the will of their Father. And then it continues to our text today. And we come to the crowning jewel of the greatest sermon given by the greatest of men. And we see this this contrasting. Where we prove your profession to be true. Are you going to be merely a hearer of the word? Or are you going to be a hearer and a doer of the word? In the Old Testament, they would say, are you going to be blessed or are you going to be cursed? And this type of ending on the sermon, well, that's that's what we would expect. Because that's what you see in the Old Testament. You look at the end of Leviticus, the end of Deuteronomy, you have the blessings and the curses. You have this wide chasm between those who hear and those who hear and do the word of the Lord. Everybody's everybody's a hearer of the law, but we're to be doers of the word as well. It's actually those who hear that are actually cursed. So we might think that, oh, we're blessed because we're here in church or we're raised in a Christian home. Oh, no, no, we hear the word of the Lord. We must be assuredly blessed. No, no, no. Those are the ones that are cursed. The ones who are cursed in the Old Testament, they heard the word of the Lord, but they didn't do it. So, as you look at the end of Leviticus, you see these these cursings. If you hear the word of the Lord as you do as you come to church and you don't obey, you see this physical representation of the spiritual judgment that God will have for those who disobey. And he is actively hostile against his people, as you see in Leviticus 26. And he gives them pestilence And he scatters them among the nations. He destroys his own people because they're just hearers of the word. And they're content with that. But they're not doers of the word. Contrast with that with those who obey. obey, Not those who are just cursed, but those who are then blessed. They're fruitful and they multiply. And God, he makes his dwelling among them. And he will walk with them and be their God. And they they will be his people. They will find their identity in Christ. And that's the same contrast between the blessings and the cursings. That's what we see in our text here this morning. So we have those who hear the words of Christ and those who do them. Contrast with those who just hear and hear alone. And the one who is wise is the one who hears these words and does them. That that is that he acts on him. So so this is the little parenthetical comment here. It's not as though the expectation here is perfection. The word here is used of carpentry and artistry. So you're working at it. It might not yet be complete. But you're working at it and you're acting at it. So don't be discouraged as if you are acting on these words that you see in the Sermon on the Mount, but you're not yet fully doing them entirely. But the one who hears them and and does them, or that is, he hears them and acts upon them, he's regarded as wise. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man. He's wise, and why is he wise? Because he has acted and built his house upon the rock. So you have a biblical understanding of wisdom is never separated from action. We will think of of wisdom as some wise old sage sitting in his chair, merely sitting in his chair, and spewing out wonderful proverbs that make you think. No, no, no. The biblical understanding of wisdom is not a wise old man sitting in his chair. The biblical understanding of wisdom is a wise old man with his hands dirty, working, Acting on the truth that he has before him. That's why as you're reading through Proverbs and you get to Proverbs 8, how is wisdom represented? It's personified. Because you can't separate wisdom from action. You see this also in James 1. Be doers of the word, not only hearers, and thus deceiving yourselves. And this is how you prove your profession to be true. So you're not only hearing with your ears and professing with your mouth, but you're taking action. You're taking action and you're making your profession visible by how you live. The one who, the one who is wise and he's taking action. He's not merely a hearer, but he's a doer and he's taking action. He's building his house upon the rock. And it's as a church, I think, knowing us, knowing us fairly well, it's in that we understand this that we don't separate doctrine from action we as a a body looking at your faces yes we lean quite heavily towards doctrine right so for Sunday school we don't talk about how to give warm hugs and hold hands we we go through systematic theology is what we go through right and we, there's a number of you that are going to seminary or applying for seminary. And some of you are thinking about doing it just for the fun of it. We love doctrine in this church. And if that's not enough, well, you take an in-house church history course and read hundreds of pages a week written by the, the quills of men and women who have shaped church history. And so that's the, the nature and the flavor of our church. We love doctrine, which is fine, but we must never think of doctrine in just abstract terms as though it has no implications whatsoever. But rather this doctrine is to drive us to action. So as we, as we revel in the, the, the sovereignty of God, that will drive us to go do missions because we know His people are out there and they will repent when they hear the gospel. So this doctrine must drive us to action. That's why you have the greatest of the commandments. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and of your neighbor as yourself. You cannot separate. You cannot separate your doctrine from action. So as a church, as we love this doctrine, we must not neglect action as well. So the one who is wise... And he is wise why because he's displaying his wisdom through action he's building his church his house upon the rock who is this rock sunday school answer it's it's jesus christ paul writes in first corinthians 3 for no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid which is christ jesus So that is, is, as a Christian, you are settling for nothing less than having your life rooted and built upon Christ and Christ alone. You won't settle for anything else. You won't settle for success. You won't settle for the praise of other homeschooling moms. You won't settle for the fleeting joys of wealth. But no, Christ and Christ alone is what you will build your life upon. Have your heart set entirely upon Christ. So as you seek to apply this to your life, you hopefully you're asking, do I believe this to be true? Is my, is my heart set upon having Christ and Christ alone as the foundation of my life? Do I believe this to be true? And how do you answer the question? Well, in reality, you already have you a doing are you a hearer and a doer and just a hear look at the rhythms of your daily spiritual life you're answering the question already is christ the rock the foundation of my life look at the daily spiritual rhythms of your life because we're not again just to be hearers but we're also to be doers of the word so we we hear about prayer and that's great but are we actually Seeking the face of God in prayer, are we making time to do that? And then don't be don't don't deceive yourself and say I just don't have enough time. No, you have enough time. You do. You might not have the priorities, but you have enough time. Make it a priority. Don't lie to yourself anymore. Are you are you one who is? Content just to avoid confrontation, or are you one who is actually seeking to love your enemy? Are you one who who joyously gives in front of other people? Or are you one who who gives in secret that your father in heaven might be glorified? This is why Paul commands us in 2 Corinthians, he says, examine yourselves, examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith, faith, test yourselves. Or as Peter writes in his second epistle, he says, for this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue and virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. Go down a couple verses. It says, therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your election and your calling. If you practice these qualities that he's just mentioned, self-control, godliness, brotherly affection, and love, if you practice these qualities, You will never fall. What do you think Peter learned that? It's almost as if he was at the Sermon on the Mount, hearing that the one who does these ones confirms his election and calling, he will not fall. Well, that's the Sermon on the Mount. So, as we hear this to be not only hearers but doers, we ask, why is this essential? Why do I care, basically? Come tomorrow. Why do I care? Because the storms of life, they will inevitably come. It's not just the wise who has his house founded on the rock and no storms come and it's picturesque. And then the one who's foolish and builds his house upon the sand, then he has all the storms. No, No, storms come to both. So the Christian life, do not be deceived. The Christian life is not a life... Void of suffering. Do not be deceived. But build your house upon the foundation of Christ. and Christ alone. So as your children are not repenting. But continuing to walk in rebellion against God know that your foundation is in christ for your spouse whom you love is cold towards you your foundation is in christ and your house is built upon christ in christ alone and that my friend is the safest place to be But we know that the one that is not only a hearer, but also a doer, this is what Paul says, that neither death, nor life, angels, nor demons, neither present, nor future, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation, for those who not only hear, but do, will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus, our Lord. No matter the storms that beat on your house and beat on your house and beat on your house, as you're longing for a husband or a wife, and it just beats on you and beats on you, you know that nothing will separate you from the love of Christ. Stepping back, main idea we want to take home is prove your profession to be true. Don't be just a hearer of the Word. You end up mocking God by just hearing the Word. And being content with that. Prove your profession to be true. Be a hearer of the word and a doer of the word. We've just seen how we should build our lives on the foundation of, of Christ and Christ be the rock of our lives. Now we're going to be seeing that I do not want you to be deceived by false piety. When you see other people's houses, do not be deceived by false piety either in others or certainly in yourself as well let's go back to the text verses 26 through 29 and everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house upon the sand the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell and great was the fall of it when jesus finished saying these words the crowds were astonished at his teaching for he was teaching them as one who had authority, not as their scribes. And the situation we have here with the house built upon the sand is actually quite similar to the one built upon the rock. They look the same. But the, wise, the man who is wise is built it upon the foundation of Christ. The one who is foolish is just built it upon the sand. And in reality, it's actually easier just to build it upon the sand. You don't have to dig all the way down to the bedrock. You can just level it off and start building. It's a lot easier. And your house, it can look just as beautiful. can actually be bigger, a little more ornate. Because you didn't waste, waste, waste all your time digging down to Christ. You can look a lot more pious when you take the time to practice your godliness before others instead of being content to practice your godliness before God, God alone. And you'll never know the difference between the houses, between the wise man who hears and does, between the foolish man who just hears and hears alone. You'll never know the difference until the storms come. And then wave after wave after wave, foundation is washed away from the sand, and the house crumbles under the judgment and the condemnation of God. So before the storms, again before the storms, they look the same. So do not be deceived by this false piety when you see it in other people's lives. They they might hear one who's. Built his house on the rock. He hears and he does. But what is he doing? He's doing the words of Christ. So the one over here, he can hear and he still might have actions. He still might look good. You might see him in there again on the corner praying. He might pray. He was going to pray in the corner in front of other people. He might give. He's going to give before everybody else. You see him there on social media condemning everybody else. Bringing others to his side instead of trying to understand and love his enemy. He's going to condemn him. So you'll see him there. And he might be doing religious things, but he's not doing what you see here prescribed to do in the Sermon on the Mount. And again, it's impossible to tell the difference. In the season of prosperity, they both look good. But then the storms come. And the false piety is exposed either in your lives or in them. So don't feel guilty when you see them doing these amazingly religious things. Don't feel condemned by yourself. If it's not done, if it's not rooted in the love of God, it'll be exposed. And the house will crumble. And perhaps you're here and you and you think well actually that's my house my my house is the one that's crumbling you you see your life now and you never would have imagined that you would be in the place that you are now somehow it keeps getting worse you're lonely and longing for children or a spouse and then others around you are getting married. Fantastic. Or you're stuck in a, a dead-end job in a career that you would have never picked. You didn't even know it was there on career day in fifth grade. You should have paid attention, maybe. And then your friend, oh, he gets promoted. Good. You know, or your house is full of chaos, and you're just bailing it together, keeping it together with bailing twine, just trying to make it through the week, and then you get the news that there's more kids on the way, more chaos going to be running through the house. It's fantastic, right? So what do you do when you feel as though your house is crumbling? First thing, if the house is crumbling, it's built upon sand. Just admit it. It's built upon sand. If the house is crumbling, it's built upon sand. So quit fixing the walls and putting together the shutters to keep up appearances. Just let the house go and dig down to Christ. Just dig down to Christ and give up the appearances. Who cares what other people think? Seek after Christ and Christ alone. One of the best ways to root out false piety in your own life is to engage with the people of god all of you if you're members you should be part of a community group it's an expectation of membership is to be active in 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 a community group sharing your lives with one another being vulnerable with one another Sharing your struggles in your marriage, about your struggles with pornography, your bitterness, or whatever it might be. Engage. Engage with the people of God. So if your house is crumbling, it's built upon sand, just admit it and let it go. Don't care about appearances, but dig down to Christ and engage with the people of God. And that, my friends, is how you prove your profession to be true. Storms are going to come, my friends. Maybe not in this season, but in the next. And In the midst of that, dig down to Christ. Before the storm, dig down to Christ. Engage with other people. Help them dig down to Christ. Share their burdens with you that God, God alone might be glorified through Him and His Spirit working through you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we are humbled that we can have lives built and founded upon You. I pray that we would not take it for granted. I pray that we wouldn't be those who mock you and just hear your word and assume that you're content with us hearing your word and and not wrestling with being doers of your word, God. And for us who, whose houses are crumbling right now, I pray that you would hold us fast in the midst of this storm, I pray that we would find You. And we would seek You and You alone. Amen.